Hey folks, welcome to episode number four of Josh's Worst Nightmare Podcast presented by Denver Horror Collective. I am your host, Josh Schlossberg, surveying the dark landscape of biological horror fiction. For this episode, we have Brenda Tolian. Brenda is a writer out of Alamosa, currently working on her MFA at Regis University. She is published within the short story, horror genre and academically. She lives in and is inspired by the San Luis Valley and the haunting stories past and present of the Southwest. The Western Gothic horror genre is her pleasure and passion. Brenda is also a member, steering committee member of Denver Horror Collective. She hosts a horror podcast along with co-host Joy Yaley, who is also a DHC member called Burial Plot. She has a story in Consumed Tales Inspired by the Wendigo, which is a horror fiction anthology published by Denver Horror Collective in 2020. And she'll also have a story in the Jewish Book of Horror anthology that I am editing right now as we speak, as this podcast is going on. (laughs) So welcome to the podcast, Brenda. Hey, thanks for having me on. Well, I'm really glad to have you. You're doing some great stuff out there. You're putting out great works into the world and you're participating in kind of the rising tide, lifting all boats in terms of what Denver Horror Collective is doing. So I definitely appreciate everything you're a part of. And for folks who have been listening to this podcast for all of the three other episodes it's been out, know that the focus here is biological horror. And what that means is living creatures, vital processes, which can mean pretty much whatever you want. But I ask uh, the people who come on the podcast to pick a topic of biological horror that ties into their writing or their interests or whatever. And so for this one, Brenda wanted to talk about the female body. So tell me, why does that factor into your writing? Um, so... I was thinking a little bit more about this and um, uh, Donald Spato, he wrote The Dark Side of Genius, The Life of Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock, I can't say the name. Uh, and uh, so this is like a, a book that he wrote in, I think it came out in 1983. And he has this wonderful little um, quote in it. And Alfred Hitchcock said, I always believe in following the advice of the playwright Sardo. He said, torture the women. The trouble today is we don't torture women enough. Um, And it has this uh, idea of male-driven thought and plot points, um, not really in consideration of the suffering that the female body goes through, um, but using the female body to drive the plot. Um, and we see this a lot in like thrillers and horror tropes, um, both on the screen and within books. Um, and so things like rape um, end up being long and brutal. Um, they can be page turners, you know, um, whereas a man might just, you know, get eaten by the monster or creature really quickly. Um, for instance, the rape scene in, um, oh, what is it? Is it? um what's the movie with the tree <laughs> the, the tree. movie with the tree right? the tree that rapes the woman it's like is it don it's a it's not don the dead it's um oh i can't think evil of dead 
yeah yeah and so this is like this humongously long scene where this woman is being her body's being invaded by a tree and then afterwards you know we don't see her even freaked out or anything she's like you know just kind of like adjusting her shirt and <laughs> going along um and so that that scene is just it's sensational and used to drive that plot point you know further along um now i've known you know writers have argued that maybe women shouldn't be used in this way within horror or within um horror movies for instance but um but i'm one of those that will argue because uh one in four women is raped you know in their lifetime pretty much any woman you bump into probably has been you know a victim of having her body invaded um so it's definitely something that we deal with so therefore it should be something that is discussed um within horror um in particular because horror is just this wonderful um way of expression where the boundaries and the rules don't those same rules don't apply um so we can actually use those tropes and use the female body in exploring some of those um, traumas and stuff that women in particular suffer um, but don't often get a place to speak about it you know um, we get we get told to shut up quite often um, so you know using the female body and women in particular as like um, as characters within stories um, is very interesting to me in particular, especially within my writing. Um, I do have a story that deals with a vagina dent, uh, dentata. Um, it's something that's been around forever. Mm -hmm. um, this story goes way back. Um, if you dig into your archaeology and you dig into your anthropology, you're going to find these stories um, living within mythologies and they're also present in our times now like in um, uh, stories uh, well movies like teeth for instance always comes up whenever I say uh, vagina dentata everybody immediately thinks of teeth and um, and I've seen arguments back and forth on that where it's terrible for women but actually I find that to be kind of a um, a really strong narrative on you know um women their rights how they navigate a world and their autonomy um jennifer's body is another one um where people are like oh you know da, da, da. i you know they they kind of discount it or think it's just kind of funny but when you study that movie um and her possession pretty much um and her body, you know, uh, sometimes looking kind of frightening, um, definitely always consuming. Um, I find it to be a really strong discussion on fears that are around the female body that have pervaded all of history, you know, that somehow our parts are gonna, you know, if, if they're not tamed or detoothed, as they say, um, that, uh, any male figure they encounter is you know subject to consumption so mm -hmm. um you know there's just a lot of interesting things around that subject that um that 
for me resonate and come out in my writing for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that whole, that last aspect. I mean, all that, but that last aspect there, because that's something that I've been taking a look at a little bit myself. So in, because I always have to bring everything back to me. No, but, <laughs> but in my current work in progress, I am exploring the idea, certain aspects of femininity and masculinity. You know, I'm, I'm a man, so I'm, I'm going to be coming at it from my perspective, but the idea of, so the masculine being penetrative, right? So yeah. literally like a penis going into something and a vagina enveloping, right? So we tend to think yeah. of, oh, that thing is getting violated, right? Which is one mm -hmm. way you stick a thing in a thing. Another way is yeah. that thing is swallowing that thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, which, yeah. which is which it's all in the above. So I think, of course, there's different ways to get into the darkness stuff. It's like, all right, to, to, you know, cast women out and to, to speak ill of women, one thing versus, okay, we're in this horror world and let's, let's play with all the different aspects. And obviously in horror, we're going to make things scary. So what can be scary here, this envelopment. And of course, then you add teeth into it and that's a whole other thing. But yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's pretty fascinating. And, you know, as, as a guy, I do try to tread lightly in that territory, but I still mm -hmm. want to be able to investigate the masculine feminine finding the overlap which is most of it and then finding the the differences but so what in your writing so maybe some of your stories without no spoiler alerts right yeah. we don't want to ruin any of the stories that you put out there but mm. what are some of the pieces that you get into so to speak um well in a forthcoming book i have um a couple of different ways that i use it um one is where a daughter figure is, she's forced to actually eat parts of, her mother has been killed and, and cooked, to be honest. Um, mm. And she's forced to eat a part of her mother, which at first, you know, just repulses her, it totally mm. repulses her. But as the flesh of her mother is going into her body, something is taking place there. And it's almost like the passing on of mother to daughter, all those feminine powers that she has. And part of that does end up being um, the vagina dentata. Um, she's also in the middle of um, being, her body is being invaded. It's being, um, it's being invaded by an outside male source. And so um, by actually taking upon the flesh of her mother inside of her body, it changes her inside. And she ends up being this, this powerful, I don't know if I would call it a, um, it's kind of Wendigo-ish, but I'm not sure that's exactly what's going on. You know, I like to use um, the, the mountain as kind of a, um, a primordial force, a female force that um, can harm or, or help <laughs> in one way or another. Um, so uh, because she is invaded by this, um, it's the power of the mother, but it's also the power of the mother of the mountain. And it gives her the ability and changes her body inside enough that those teeth that hadn't been there are there and it actually saves her from a pretty bad situation. Um, uh, so that's one of the ways that I use it. It's like um, the teeth, because if you think of vagina dentata, 
um, it's always, uh, Jason Campbell described it as like this primal myth that women's genitals are equipped with teeth capable of castration and you have to detooth a woman to make her um, docile and the better wife, you know, to follow her husband or whatever. It, within my story, if I take the Jason Campbell idea that, you know, that women's genitals are equipped with the teeth capable of castration. And this is a young woman who doesn't have those teeth, but her mother allows her to have that um, power um, by consuming her mother's flesh. Um, I'm pretty dark, I'll admit it. Um, she's able to have those teeth and those teeth are capable of castration and they are able to give her um, the ability to kind of take over her environment and her world in that moment. And, um, and she's able to extract a kind of um, protection because of it, but also a kind of revenge um, from her attackers within it. Um, and so it's important to me to be able to show um, the taking back of that power. And the taking back of that power is within the body. It's within taking possession of our bodies and being able to use them to protect ourselves and keep ourselves safe and um, and to also intricately know our bodies because that has also been something that's kind of been taken away. Um, you know, it's happened over and over again, but um, you know, women even right now, um, for instance, in Texas, they have, you know, most women don't even know they're pregnant in six weeks. Um, and then suddenly we have all, you know, all avenues of being able to, to make our own choices for our bodies are being taken away in states like Texas, you know. Um, and that also brings me to the subject of abortion, which I also use within my stories. Um, and I don't use it in the typical way, like, you know, abortion's wrong or abortion's right. Um, within my stories so far, I was kind of like, it was a choice made by my character and she chose to have one. Um, but um, the women of her community are very much um, against this. And it's actually, believe it or not, not a right wing um, community that I'm, you know, have her living within. Um, so it's actually very left leaning. Um, and they're like, you know, basically you aren't doing the right thing by allowing your body to carry this baby da 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 and stuff so they actually end up um, replacing the baby with something else and I won't reveal more than that um, but it is done um, it is done against her will something is placed within her belly um, that she does not want there um, and um, so I'm also speaking on topics of like the body and the womb and not having choices about what's inside of it um, uh, or what can, you know, um, be taken out of it. You know, it's not. So I get into those and I get into it really in detail um, for sure, because I want to show that um, it's, it's a prevalent problem. People trying to make decisions about the female body um, on both the left and the right um, about what is right and what is wrong for, um, for a woman's body. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 
the idea like women's bodies have been turned into things like you know sharks and whales and demons and serpents um if you get into the um babylonian or yeah or sumerian enuma elish if you get into the early um uh leviticus of the bible um different things like that you will find the the female body is is kind of torn apart it's it's dismembered it's turned into dragons it's turned into serpents um sea serpents you know um so it's been something that's been going on for a very long time and it and it still persists um typically within your books of horror that you're going to read or your um movies that you consume in horror you're going to find a woman possessed way more than you're ever going to find a male possessed and the idea of that is we have quote unquote more portals to for <laughs> damning entrance of nefarious demons and stuff to enter our bodies um, than men do so that's why you're going to see a female you know be possessed more often than you will see a male be possessed um, possessed and it will be for a lot longer too i mean exorcist is a whole entire movie made and that's an older one but think of any of the other things you've consumed recently um who is possessed by the devil <laughs> or some demon what was inside the body um taking over that body and you're gonna find um and you're gonna find a female more often not than a male Mm hmm. Do you think what do you think the difference between, say, having a, a female body possessed by, say, a demon in this case versus having a male body possessed by a demon? The reaction of the audience, the, the people who would be reading the book or watching the movie, do you feel like there would be a difference in that? Um, I think because um, the cultural mind um the it's a much more powerful statement um and the quote-unquote unguarded entrance myth um if a woman's body is possessed because there is this intrinsic need um by society not just men um but by society to protect especially uh say a virgin body a body that hasn't been touched um there's also the minute something's invaded there's that idea that something can grow inside that womb that's why we have stories like you know omen and and different kind of you know possession of the womb stories or rosemary's baby and stuff like that um and it also talks about like um like in the exorcist for instance um it's it's a commentary on what society expects for um, for a mother and for a child, and and if there's an absence of the typical like family unit, um, you know, or say it's a same sex couple. There's a I forget what the new movie. There's a new movie on Shutter that that kind of deals with that a little bit. Um, so if the family unit of mother and father if that contract's been broken, then um, you're going to end up with um, an even bigger invite of evil into the 
sacred family unit, you know, if it's been, if it's been changed somehow. Um, and if there's no protective father force around, you're definitely going to see the female body be invaded more. Hmm. Um, you know, um, especially, um, children and young women that are like on that, like they're on that cusp of, of womanhood. Um, for instance, like Reagan and the exorcist, um, you start to see more of that intrusion. And Reagan didn't have a father figure either in The Exorcist, which I find humongously um, um, interesting. And it's the idea that, um, that without a male figure around there to protect, it's not even the family, it's to protect um, the maiden's body, um, that the maiden's body is going to be invaded in some way, that the likelihood of possession or something is even more increased because there's not that male presence to to be play guardian over her body if that makes sense hmm that's interesting yeah i haven't thought of that i could see that being the case i could also see kind of being like there's an imbalance in a sense so masculine without the feminine feminine without the masculine mm -hmm. can be seen as a kind of imbalance and so then yeah some dark force comes in and I guess it's a it's a kind of balance but it's like the the dark masculine rather than mm -hmm. the light masculine. I mean, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. I haven't really. No, thought I think about that. I think you're right. It's like a vacuum. Um, hmm. it's, it's like a vacuum of if the positive father is not there, if the positive, um, if you go into Judeo Christianity, mm -hmm. if the positive God isn't there, and somebody's you know sent that off to the side, then the devil's gonna that makes a a vacuum that the devil can fill. And that actually plays into the female body. So if there isn't the positive father or masculine there to protect the body that produces a vacuum where only the devil can exist. And many, many witches have been burned because of that, you know? Yeah, well, that's interesting. It's almost like, all right, well, if lady, if you're not with the good man, the bad man's going to come in and take the place or it could be like well or maybe the woman just doesn't want to be with anyone and as if there's anything wrong with that or maybe she's mm -hmm. into women and that's her thing and so it, it seems like there can be both this control of the female form this disapproval yeah. thing but then there i think there that's like the shadow element and i think maybe some of the the horrific elements in this can also be just like you said before the desire to protect and the fact that sometimes it's more horrifying when it is happening to a woman. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I think it's pretty, pretty clear that most of the people who are killed in horror are men like, but they're, they're just kind of disposed of, but I think yeah. you're absolutely right that the, the lingering, the dwelling on the situations in, in most cases, mm -hmm. uh, or at least in many cases is around, women the female form and like i said I, I think that there can that can both come from a sinister place and then also well we're going to do the thing that it's it's awful you know like when you when you kill a puppy it's because you know it's going to be on a, on screen or on in a book even that is that's that's yeah. actually more taboo than you know dismembering a woman which is kind of interesting i'll have to have another uh podcast yeah. on puppies specifically but you know yeah. they do that you can do that and just aha look because i want puppies dead or also because we love puppies so much that's the most horrible thing that we can imagine mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And then, you know, there's also this uh, pushing of women um, to the othered, you know, to the outside. And it has to also do with, um, it has to do with, um, with women actually taking control of self and their physical body without, you know, that male presence there. And um, so when they do that, it's not actually necessarily like the devil's evil, mm. but it's the female taking possession and controlling her body and controlling her sexuality that makes her monstrous, um, you know, without possession of like logic or, you know, the, the guidance of God. And that's why we get like um, Jennifer's body. And that's why we get going back into mythos. Um, that's why we get, you know, characters like Tiamat, you know, who ends up, you know, being this beautiful goddess and then turns into this, you know, giant monster giving birth to monsters and, and then her body's cut up to make the world, of course, you know. Um, so, you know, there's just a lot of different angles you can take with that. And actually it's um, part of my academic work right now is just um, really digging into these topics about, you know, the what it means for the female body and um you know why does what goes on inside of us or between our legs have to do with someone else's terror mm -hmm. and often we are used in that way um and i find that really interesting and not necessarily like like it's not as horrific or scary to me as it's it's a uh, interesting especially when it's a female body that takes possession and power of itself. Why is that so terrifying? Why is that so scary? Hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot, so much to it. And as a, as a man, I have had female protagonists because I want to explore all that stuff. And I, I know a few women, so why not? But mm -hmm. I definitely think, of course, when I'm treading into that territory, it's a little different. So I can actually think of a few stories that I've written that tied into it. I, I have one called viremia where there is a woman who's pregnant, but it's not from sperm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, I, I wrote something called a cat's meow. And basically it's about this, uh, let's just say a, a contagion. I don't want to give stuff away, but she yeah. happens to be pregnant. And so she's concerned how it may affect the baby. And mm. then I wrote something called everyone's favorite uh, hangina, which is yeah. actually about a dude who is kind of actually a bit of a chauvinist. And then he develops a wound in his hand that starts resembling more and more a vagina. And of course, some people are like, mm. oh, what is this misogynistic crap? It's actually a feminist story about him mm. starting to see the maybe a different perspective, not that a vagina alone is all there is to it, but that's the easiest way for me to just have that symbolism into mm. it. And I do have elements of biological, even that body horror. It's not particularly gross. It's literally just a vagina and a hand, you know, a vagina. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too, <laughs> is like making it less um, taboo to start tapping into those things and those fears, because mm. right now, for the most part, it's, you know, women possessed or, mm. um, or it is, you know, um, women, um, 
seeking revenge or whatever, something like that. But um, I think there needs to be more of it. And I especially think that more women need to write it because we have a unique, we are women, um, you know. Um, so seeing more writers getting out there and writing um, on the topics. Now, I, you know, when you think of like, I think of uh, also men's fears, um, you know, like the alien movies and when the, um, when the, uh, what is it, a xenomorph? Is that what they call it? Yeah. You know, explodes out of his chest. I find that humongously interesting because he was gestating a baby. And so whenever we explore the idea of, of men being the carriers of, I mean, that, that probably would scare a lot of men. So maybe somebody needs to write that story, sure. you know, um, because it's, it's more, it like some of those things are very natural, you know, like pregnancy and stuff are natural to women. We've been doing it since the beginning of time mm -hmm. um we don't find it necessarily scary but there's a lot of fears around that especially um where men are concerned yeah. um there's just a lot of areas like that um sexuality different things like that that could be explored by writers and i i, I hope like octavia butler you know um wrote about those uh was it the aliens and they they actually um exist within the male's body hmm. Um, and now I can't think of the name of it. Somebody's going to be like, I can't believe she can't think of the name of that story. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> and stuff, but exploring those, those taboos, those taboo kind of thoughts, especially going forward, um, where we have, you know, um, we have, uh, transgender women who are, sorry, transgender men, um, mm. you know, who are giving birth to babies and stuff and i find this humongously beautiful and everything but i know there's a lot of um fears around that from especially um straight folks um who just don't get it um and you know that goes also into lgbtq a plus 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 um and people thinking about the body and sexuality in new and different ways that actually aren't all that new. We're just able to come out of the shadows a little bit now, um, which is kind of nice. Um, but, you know, um, far too many, say, um, transgender women are being murdered out there um, because of fears around who they are and what their, their body is um, to other people. And so, um, kind of dispelling those and I find horror to be a really wonderful place to explore those topics and yeah. to you know really find out why do we fear that why are we othering those people in that way um you know and being able to explore that on the on the page and there's no place like horror to be able to do that yeah well the topic is certainly it's fertile ground and literally right in chain in terms of you write a lot about landscape. That's another mm -hmm. thing I really appreciate about your work. That's something that I'm really into as well. And that can mm -hmm. tie into folklore, gothic, or frame yeah. that. Now, it's thought in many traditions, now not all, which is interesting, but in most traditions, the land is feminine, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So do, do you consciously try to explore elements of that? I mean, I know you sort of already mentioned that with the mountain, mm -hmm. but how does that work in your writing yeah well the valley i live in i see the um scars and the damage done by white colonization 
you know, manifest destiny and what it's done to my valley and the West in general. Um, I see the other, um, I see the people that have always been here, lived here, um, being pushed to the side and, and, um, you know, being othered. Um, I don't really get into telling their stories because there are plenty of um, Native American writers, for instance, and Chicano writers who are writing um, the narratives that they need to for their cultural, you know, ethnic group. Um, but I do write about the land and that's important to me, the land as being like a living, I do see it and many cultures, as you said, view the land as being um, a feminine body and what we're doing to it, um, you know, with climate change and um, fracking and still pulling oil out and bulldozing the sides of mountains to build, you know, um, fancy expensive towns and houses that most people can't even afford to live in. Um, I look at it as um, the stealing and um, uh, cultural ways, um, in particular by rich white people, um, you know, who are suddenly doing peyote ceremonies, for instance, on the mountainsides, and it's not their culture, it's not their thing, it's, you know, <laughs> you know, when you have a, the Native American church, um, I think that's what they call themselves actually going, please stop that. Please stop doing that. That's not your culture. That's not your thing. Just the appropriation and taking over and um, of things that they're, that are not theirs. There's a lot of stealing and um, maybe dare say uh, raping of culture going on um, and raping of the earth that's going on. Um, that horror I think can address in some ways because I see it as a very horrific thing, you know, when you see mountainsides getting bulldozed to build the next lodge or the next, you know, fancy schmancy place that only the elite can go to. Um, when I see um, people who have been going and gathering pinon uh, nuts on the side of the mountain and they get the cops called on them. They've been going to that place for hundreds of years and they're getting the cops called on them by the, the new um, suburban white folks who've moved in who don't understand that's a cultural thing they've been doing forever, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> gathering just pinyon nuts. Right. Um, I find it very disturbing and bothersome. And um, again, horror being a really good place to be able to commentate um, on the destruction that's being done to people and places and landscapes and nature, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I definitely see that tie in too. And I, um, I address that probably almost as much as I do the feminine body, um, within my work, I find it very, very important to be able to kind of, uh, parallel the stories in a way what's happening to the mountain is also happening, um, to the female characters within my work. A lot of times it's just a commentary It's a commentary on the culture that I, in the world that I find myself in right now. Yeah, yeah, well, it definitely comes through in your writing. So where can folks find your stuff? I mentioned a little bit earlier, and what are you working on now? Um, I am, well, I'm gonna be in the Jewish Book of Horror. I'm very excited about that. Um, 
the story that I wrote for it is a story I've been obsessed with since I was a little girl. So to be able to, to write that um, in the point of view that I do, um, I find that humongously exciting. Um, a lot of my stuff is on brendatolian.com. Um, I'm also on the Denver Horror Collective. Um, I think, what, what do we call it? The author page? Yeah, well. members, members. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's there. Um, I do have some major stuff coming up, but I'm not at liberty to say um, at this moment. <laughs> secret, secret stuff. That's cool. Uh, um, but I will certainly be um, sharing that as soon as I am able to. Um, and where can yeah. they find Burial Plot Podcast? Oh, so uh, the Barrow Plot Horror Podcast is available um, on Spotify, Apple, I think it's on iHeartRadio too. It's pretty much anywhere um, any podcast is available. Um, we also do a video um, version of it, um, which is on YouTube, which would be under the Barrow Plot Horror Podcast as well. Um, that's kind of always hilarious my guests such as yourself always look fa fantastic and always look like um like some crazed librarian but uh <laughs> nothing wrong been, with that yeah it's been wonderful fun um working with joy has been awesome um being able to give voice to authors who don't always you know don't always get the big interviews and stuff like that and be able to really promote their books and stuff books that i believe in and love and enjoy reading such as yours mm -hmm. um your maline mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that i should be getting a signed copy of here soon yep send them now. it's in the mail <laughs> and stuff so um and just talk books because i love doing this so yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much, Brenda, for coming on Josh's Worst Nightmare, and we will certainly be in touch. All right. Thanks. Thanks for taking a trip with me through Josh's Worst Nightmare, where I, Josh Schlossberg, survey the dark landscape of biological horror fiction presented by Denver Horror Collective. If you don't want to miss any of the great and sometimes disturbing weekly episodes I've got planned for you, be sure to subscribe to Josh's Worst Nightmare on a variety of podcast platforms. You can also sign up for Josh's Worst Nightmare e-newsletter at joshsworstnightmare.com, where I share a whole squirming mess of bio-horror, including my infamous haiku horror reviews and my latest dark scribblings. Speaking of which, if you haven't already picked up a copy of my cosmic biological folk horror novella, Moline, from D&T Publishing, you can find a copy of the paperback, hardcover, or ebook at Amazon, Godless.com, or joshesworstnightmare.com. Yours darkly, Josh Schlossberg.